Hey, everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 27 of the one and only show, bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is turning your expert into the cool kid. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in three, two, one. Off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, The Expert Angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, The Expert Angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review. So Phil, man, special show today because you are live on location in your car, but for for safety reasons, Phil's not driving. So just so you guys know, he is uh, he's joining us from on location, but, uh, but he's stationary in a parking lot. So uh, just FYI, but Man, we have a special show to you uh, to do today. And I think we got to be nicer on the intro because, um, you know, this isn't one of our typical uh, rough and rowdy people. This is actually my prosecutor uh, here in Stark County for the crash team. And she's awesome to work with. She's fabulous. And I wanted to bring her on to do this show specifically. Um, So we have Melissa Day with us uh, from Stark County Prosecutor's Office. And Melissa, you are... Actually, traditionally here, you were a civil rights attorney, I think is how you got your start, right? I did. I did that, too. I've been on both sides. Uh, I'm a prosecutor, but I also when I did uh, private work, civil work, I actually did a lot of civil rights cases, 1983 actions, defending police departments. And I also did a bunch of discrimination cases, too. So. All right. Cool. So, like I said, I, I wanted to do this show because I, I want to talk about qualifying your expert in court and getting a jury to love them. Because I think a lot of attorneys drop the ball at this point mm-hmm. and they're, the experts don't come off likable. And, and so I thought you would be uniquely versed in this because um, you qualify cops to be expert yes. witnesses. Mm-hmm. And typically, uh, while, while the police officers are held to be experts, it, generally we see the likability factor, especially right now in the current climate that we're in, police don't have a very big likability factor. Right. So I thought Absolutely. you would be kind of uniquely suited <laughs> to, to be in this position and, and also from your past experiences to, yes. to talk about that also. So I, I vote we just dive in and, you All know, right. Phil, if, if you need to uh, chime in here with, with what you're seeing, you know, and, and, or if you need to go or, or whatnot, or, or take emergency sure. evasive actions to not get run over, you know, do what you got to do. <laughs> but uh, so let me ask you this. So, so if we're setting up, you know, the, the first thing I would say to any of the attorneys that are tuning into today's show, I think the first thing we should address is I think a lot of times what I'm starting to see is attorneys want to skip over having an expert read through their CV or go over their CV. Like everybody just, you know, they're like, okay, we're going to stipulate that you're an expert. Yep. And so, I mean, what do you think? Is it, is it good or bad 
what's the pros and cons to having that stipulation instead of letting a jury hear an expert's qualifications? Well, the, the first problem that I, I would say is um, the problem with skipping over those qualifications is that your jury is then going to assume that both experts are of equal weight because if they don't have any background as to what your actual details are and what you've really done, they're just going to assume expert A and expert B are exactly the same. Um, and they are not going to realize that there may be specific differences between you and your expertise versus the other expert. Um, sometimes you have much more focused information and much more focused training in a particular area than maybe a generalist that is being called by the other side. So that's the first issue is you want the jurors to know that you have specific detailed training in a particular issue or experience. And that's why you're being called to testify. Um, okay. The second issue is, like you said, that is your, I guess you can kind of relate it to a comedian. You know, everybody goes to a show to watch a comedian and, you know, you're going for the big act, but they always have those one or two couple of comedians that get called before or the opening act for any kind of band. Why do they do that? They do it because they're trying to slowly ease the audience into a form of comfortability to get excited and prepared for the big to do. And you need to do that with yourself as a witness. And that is what going over your CV actually does. It gives you the opportunity as an expert to become more comfortable in the stand, to kind of get situated, kind of get the flow going, get, get the conversation going. You can show a lot more personality in discussing your training and experience and your background and kind of explain to these jurors that you're not just a talking head here, you're a human being who has life experience and you can communicate and connect a lot better with your jurors during that type of conversation because you're talking about yourself. You come across much more relaxed and um, I think it really helps connect the juror to you as a person. And if they start liking you and your personality, it's going to then extend into the nitty gritty heavy details, which sometimes can get difficult for I jurors so what if you're like Phil and you're just a stick in the mud? Like, just skip it then? Like, <laughs> No, no, you should never, you should never skip it. Um, I think that's where trial prep comes in a lot because I think it's very easy for anytime you have an expert to kind of like go in with your blinders. Like, I'm here, I'm serious, I'm, you know, I'm an expert. And I think sometimes that comes across as very cold and they don't see you as a person. And every case that I have had in civil cases, especially with expert witnesses, every juror I've ever talked to usually goes, yeah, they said A, they said B, they negated each other out, we were done. Yeah. And why? It's because neither expert really got their attention. No one really engaged them and they didn't really like either of them. It was, you're boring, you're boring, eh, we're done, we don't wanna listen. Yeah. Um, so it's really important that you kind of spend that time getting, letting them realize that you're a human being, you are a person, kind of get those uncomfortable things out, joke a little bit, make it relaxing. All right. And that's actually kind of a good point. Cause I would have to say like Phil on the stand when he testifies, like, you know, man, you're, you're smooth as silk. 
you know, you got that Southern, the kind of Southern accent. You're super likable, even though he's not even talking on this podcast. He's just a shaking head. I'm just, I'm just sitting there listening to you ramble, you know, being, <laughs> being you guys have that working relationship. I'm trying to be respectful and not call you the names I normally do. <laughs> oh, I right. call them those same names. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Trust me. Anybody that deals with me, even like in the audience, they're like, oh yeah, if you work with Eric, they know everybody calls me the same names. It's funny. I, I think, I think you guys have a group chat actually that you guys all trade. <laughs> back and it's you know but uh well you're not going to confirm or deny that that exists right right yeah it's like a membership thing you guys have to get a card i got you yeah so no and that's so that's interesting and, and actually i mean phil like what i don't know we've we've talked about this now with tj and even i, I think with jeff even we talked about a little bit of you know that that kind of that specialty you know like if if you're if you're a tire expert in motorcycle tires you might not be an expert in drive tires for commercial right. motor vehicles. Mm-hmm. So right. is it, you know, and, and Melissa, I think you kind of hit on it a little bit. So then it, it's, it's basically the same thing. So like for the attorneys that are listening to this, right. You need to find, I, I would think kind of wrapping up what you were saying a little bit or, or expanding on it. You need to find an expert, one that, that fits the specific, the, the Holy crap, Phil, it's the scope of your investigation. Mm-hmm. One of our show topics. So you need to find an expert that has a specialty in the scope that you want. Yes. But then when you're qualifying them, that's like, that's what you need to hit on. Right. And especially if you, you are aware that you're the expert on the opposite side does not have those specific things. That's really what you need to pound in qualifying is you need to make a distinction between the two as to, yes, I'm not, because you're not, you're not saying, oh, this guy's an idiot. They don't know what they're talking about. It. They're not an expert or she's not an expert. They are, of course. They're just, you know, they are qualified in some set, you know, in some of the same things that you are. You work together. You can respect them. You can respect their abilities. You can respect their opinions. But in this particular situation, I have the much more on point experience, knowledge, training than they do. They know that stuff. Of course they do. But this is why my stuff is better suited for this. This is why my opinion is more is more specific and should be the one relied upon over theirs. Because like I said, jurors are are, are so willing to just ignore both experts because they think you're each paid to say the exact opposite. End of story. So they really need to realize it's not that you're paid to say A and you're paid to say B. It's I'm saying A and not B because my skill set tells me this is the correct thing. This is my training, yeah. not because I'm being paid to say this. And let me ask you this, because now, you know, in, and again, the, another reason I thought this would be a really good show to bring you on for is because really the only thing you do is jury trials, you know, as, as since you're in common, pleas, you're never just before a magistrate. It's never right. a trial to the court. Like it's always a jury trial. Right. And and having done both civil and, and now criminal, um, you know, how how important is it if if the as an attorney, if your expert has that law enforcement experience, is, is that a good thing to bring out? And how much emphasis should be placed on that? Because me and Phil have done previous shows before this, where we talk about as a cop, you have that invaluable life experience because engineers and, and school trained people that, and that's all they've done. Mm-hmm. They've only ever seen crashes in a test environment. They've never right. seen them in real life. Right. And so how valuable is that? Even on the civil side, the fact that we come from a law enforcement experience or any reconstructionist that comes from law enforcement, that you've been boots on the ground. 
for thousands. I mean, thousands and thousands of crashes. I mean, is that something that you yes. really want to get into and put a lot of emphasis on? Absolutely. Especially if you do truly have an ac academic on the other side. And it is then something that you want to be able to explain to your jurors. You know, everybody understands that you can be smart, but not really know what's going on. Because we all know people who may have a great education, but they have no common sense. And, you know, education isn't everything. There's some people who are brilliant in what they do and maybe never graduated from high school. You know, some people just have a knack for certain things. So it's not always about, oh, I have this degree, I have that degree. Yeah, that's a little check in the box, but it all comes down to this is why, you know, this is why I do that. I have a passion for this. This is what I've done. And like you said, I don't just read this in a book. I then have seen it firsthand in every different variation that's possible. Um, and I also think that it helps in explaining, look, you know, yes, this is what I see. This is what I have an opinion on. But also being able to acknowledge that, in all of your time of doing it and that hands-on experience, there have always been those situations where something's a little different. It's not just all black and white in your field. And, yeah. you know, there's always that little tweak and being able to explain, especially if your case is kind of relying on that little tweak. Um, no, maybe statistically it's not the most common, but if you have that real life experience that you've seen this before and these are the circumstances and this is why you believe this is your finding, um, I think that goes a long way in getting the jurors to understand why that's a more reliable opinion than someone who's just, you know, spitting out stuff that they've read in a book in a study somewhere. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, I mean, if you have a, a crash, I would think, you know, where where the, the whole case relies on like a runaway vehicle or a manufacturing defect and you have that engineer, just like what you were saying on you know, making sure that the investigator spends the time on his real world experience. This is where the engineer shines. I mean, right. this is where these guys need to go into detail of like, look, this is what I did in school. This right. is every project I worked. This yes. is who I worked with. This is who I interned with, whatever. Right. Because I mean, that knocks it out of the park for those guys. That's that yeah. really is where they shine. So right. it, do, uh, do you go ahead. No, no. I just, I was worried you were going to say something when, when she was like, you know, just cause you've read it in a book doesn't mean you're smart. I thought you were making a comment about me. <laughs> do you see on the, do you see on the civil side or should you, should I say, have you seen on the civil side where even though expert A has a law enforcement background, who's now practicing on the civil side, where there is a, a uh, automatic jury bias that the assumption being um, the active and current law enforcement officer who's testifying is more credible um, automatically in the jury's eye. And it's an uphill battle for the outside expert to, to have to overcome that challenge. Not because it's law enforcement. Again, I, I think the biggest challenge to overcome is the impression that the financial compensation is overpowering and overriding any legitimate opinion you may have. So I think it's more so if you have Officer A on the stand who, like you say, is, is maybe a, a state trooper presently and, and they're still working for the police department, there is this impression that somehow there is no bias in their findings because, well, they're not getting paid for that opinion. 
Um, but right. if you're a hired expert, well, you're getting paid for that. So of course your opinion is going to get be different because you're getting paid for that different opinion. I think that's that's the more difficult thing I think to to get by is that appearance and feeling by a juror that there's some type of bias in there um, simply because right. of. Opinion. So let me ask you this then: is is that something now you know because and and this is something that. I don't know. Attorneys, for some reason, they always get nervous on that when it comes up to the financial Money? bias, right? Yes. Like how much, and for sure, every attorney loves to ask that question. Are you being yes. paid yes. to do this reconstruction? Well, and, and here's the problem. I think this is, I, I'm going to put it this way. I treat it no differently than having to ask one of my witnesses in a criminal case, isn't it true that you have prior felony convictions? Isn't it right. true you have a robbery? And my my how I address it in my criminal cases, because the reality is victims of crime are are not always squeaky clean. Sometimes their criminal history is is as bad as my defendants. And you got to It's going to come out. And I always say that it is the responsibility of the attorney whose witness it is to hit that right up front. That should be if it's if you're my expert, I am asking you that question. I am putting it right up front. Isn't it true that you've been retained in this case? Yes, it is. All right. And you are being, you have been paid by so-and-so for this. Yes. How much are you being paid? What is that being based on? Um, At what point in time, you know, was this agreed to? Was this before or after your conclusions were done? Um, It is a, if you address it up front with your own expert, it comes across as you have nothing to hide. You're already open with, to it. The jurors already hear it. And then by the time you go through all of your training and experience and your expertise, they've forgotten about the fact that you were paid at that point because you already told them it's it's old news. You're there's nothing, there's no ta-da about it. And then yeah, when the right. when the other attorney gets up there and goes, Well, you were paid, the juror goes, oh, We already know this. I was already they already talked about this. Seriously, we're gonna go through this again. They get annoyed. They get frustrated because they already been given all of this information. And now you have an attorney who's asking the same questions that they've already heard. That attorney pisses off the jurors and you're already a step ahead. Address yeah. it up front. Um, because it, like you said, it's coming out. It's, it's coming out. So let it come out the way you want it to come out. And, yeah. you know, make it clear up front. Yes, we're paid. Yes, I was hired. You know, no, it, my opinion, I already told them my opinion before we agreed on a payment, whatever it may be. Um, yeah. Get it out, get it out right up front. Well, and I was going to say, I think the other thing too, that I actually like, and I've had a couple attorneys ask me this of, because they do, and, and they get right out in front of it. You know, mm-hmm. they're like, hey, you know, were you retained by my firm to complete a, a reconstruction? Yes, I was. Great. You know, how much, how much did you pay? You know, how much did we pay you? What's your billable hours? Okay, great. And, and then the next question that they typically will ask is, have you ever given, you know, after being paid by a client or prior to being paid by whichever turned in a, a report contrary to, to what their client, you know, or, or that's damaging to their client and almost every attorney, if, if, if they've done this before, it seems, and they've worked with experts, we'll ask some sort of form of that question. Um, and, and that's, what's, that's what you need. So I know eventually here, I think hypothetically, uh, the day will come 
when I'll be on the other side of the courtroom from you. <laughs> and, and I know that we're going to have this conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, hopefully it, it's done right. Um, because these questions will come out, you know? Absolutely. Well, and, and again, it's, it's going to come out. So you might as well have it come out in the way you want it to come out, um, which is framed that way. And like you said, in addition to, um, have you ever, you know, been hired by somebody and provided a contrary opinion, you know, how often does that happen? Um, the other question I always like to ask experts is how many times have you prepared reports or testified on behalf of, let's say, the plaintiff or the defendant, the, whatever the opposite sides, you know, or do you only, because there are some experts that we have found out there that only provide opinions for defendants or only provide opinions for the state, or it's like 99% one-sided. And yeah. it shows a bias and it's, no, I right. don't care what side you're on. And if you can talk about how often you provide opinions um, on both sides, how often you've testified on behalf of the plaintiff, how often you've testified on behalf of the defendant to show that you were equally balanced um, and how often that you've been retained and provided an opinion on an issue um, and didn't testify because after you were retained, your opinion was contrary to what yeah. they were hoping to prove. And thus you didn't have to testify in that case because that wasn't the opinion they wanted you to testify to. Yeah. Um, and so let me, and actually I'm kind of glad you brought that up. So I, I want to go down this, this field because not only have we talked about the stuff for the attorneys, but we also have a lot of law enforcement that listen to our podcast. And so obviously we're not giving them any legal advice and guys, we're not telling you what to do in your extra jobs or anything like that. But it's an interesting concept to have because previously I had worked for a department that absolutely forbade, forbode, for, forbid, for, forbid, <laughs> forbidden. Forbid. I don't know. It's like, I feel like Maui on uh, uh, Moana, you know, it's like, do you want smote, smoten, smite, smited, you know, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, so I, I'd worked for a department that that did not want me doing any criminal defense because they're like, well, you're law enforcement. That's contrary to to what you do. And now um, we, I, I have done a couple cases now where I've been on the other side of the Stark County Prosecutor's Office. And so far, I think, A, you know, you guys have been super gracious about it. Um, I don't think anything has ever gotten out of control or out of hand. Mm -hmm. But, you know, one thing I think, A, that, that guys need to remember is the science is the science. Correct. And as long as you're not going out there and trying to, quote unquote, win a case, like anytime I've come in and that was one of the things I really, really loved is that, you know, our, our prosecutors that, that I have gone against and, you know, previously I'd been on the, the prosecutor side. Now I'm on the defense side and they're like, you know what, some reconstructionist is going to handle this. And at, at least I know if you've got it, you're going to present the facts and that's it. Like the facts are the facts. We're not swaying science. We're not cheating the math, none of that. But how important is that? And, and actually, I mean, is this a good thing? that it makes a well-rounded reconstructionist because would that not be something in, in a criminal trial that you would bring up in front of a jury? Like, Hey, haven't you also done criminal defense work? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, it goes, I think it goes to a credibility of an expert because it's a lot easier for a jury to believe that science is science and all you're doing is reiterating science and findings. In fact, when they see that, because they know it goes both directions and it can't always go in one in one direction. So when you talk about providing it for both sides and having done it before, um, that helps support that credibility. It's very hard for them 
to believe you when you say, oh, it's just the facts, it's just the science, when magically it's always, you know, but it only applies to be real facts and science when it, this side wins. I think it's very hard for them to accept that as truth. So yeah. when you have both sides and you've done both sides, and I get it, like you said, you can't always balance it out, especially when you have maybe some of those conflicts. Um, but that's something to address too, you know, especially if right in the beginning, well, do you do any work for the defense? No, I, I, I haven't. I haven't been able to because my job as a law enforcement officer has actually prevented me from being able to get involved in cases where I would represent the defendant because it's a conflict with my existing employment. I think a juror would, again, that's a way to explain why you haven't done it, that a jury can go, oh, I can see that. You know, I, I can see why you wouldn't be allowed to do that. You're prevented from being doing it. And again, it, it helps explain away and it helps them understand that there may be a reason why it, it was very one-sided is because yeah. of that employment. Yeah. And that's just it. I think, you know, as a, as a law enforcement, cause like the Phil's like that. So Phil's not allowed to do any, any criminal defense stuff. And that's, that's cool. You know? And I think right. that would be, if it ever got brought up on the stand, I think that's exactly what you'd say. Wouldn't it? Yeah. Phil? I mean, just, you know, Hey, yeah. look, I mean, I can't. You know, right. Current um, employment, right. you know, prevents me from doing it, you know, not to say that I wouldn't, um, you know, and not to say that, that, that changes anything because, you know, yeah, all we are here to do is present the science as factually as possible. And so it shouldn't change no matter what side you're on. Right. Right. Exactly. And, so, and that's it. And I, and I think it just goes right. a long way. And again, that's when you talk about qualifying your experts and why you don't want to pass on that. This is exactly why. This is all of the stuff that you go into during your qualifications. You know, whereas when, you know, you're going to get a lot of objections to these types of questions and talking about it, if you try to do it in your direct when talking about the case, you know, you got to do it in qualifications because you can raise all this stuff, other jobs, prior testimony. You can get into all of this experience with that, um, and talk about all that during that. And they, they can't really object to it because it's part of the qualifications. Whereas later on, if you try to like slip well, it in, they may, you know, have issue with it. What, what well, it's, it's kind of going back to the previous podcast you and I did and, and you're just reiterating it again. So, I mean, it, it just continues to keep coming up. Get ahead of the information, get ahead of the evidence, get ahead of the stuff and put it out there. I mean, you yep. can't hide from it. You can't run from it. So just get it out there and it becomes a non-issue. But if you try and not address it up front, the, the jury's going to get smart and catch on. And so is, you know, the other counsel. Right. Absolutely. And also so. it, it gives the entire side credibility. If you're willing to acknowledge up front any weaknesses, defects, whatever it may be, it goes a long way for them to believe that you are the side to trust. Um, and, yeah. you know, just hit it head on. Don't try to hide it. And I get it. A lot of times you're like, oh, this, you know, this attorney, oh, they don't get it. They don't seem to understand it. Um, they may be right. tricking you. They may be playing a game. And they, if they realize that you're not going to bring up something, they're waiting. And it's, Real life is not Perry Mason. There is no tadas in most criminal in most cases. We don't have those. But I, know, I you, think I have some good tadas. Right. Come on, might, they're very rare. But that's that's just it. They're rare. Um, so don't give them the tada. Like yeah. if you hide something, thinking, oh well, maybe exactly. they didn't catch it. You will give them the tada, 
And you don't want that. That is the last thing right. they want in a trial. So I guess let me ask I you hate, this then. I hate, oh. to, I hate to jump. I hate to jump off here, but I'm out here and All right. need up. Have, so have fun. Yeah, no, we're, I, I, we're cool. Cause we're actually, we're going to, we got like four minutes left and then we'll, we'll wrap it up. So we don't <laughs> hit our clock. So yeah. It, and if Eric talks bad about me, please reach out to me at <laughs> Philip Rally at. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I am so literally right. for the next three minutes. Everybody, hold on! It's going to be a bumpy ride as we just trash fell <laughs> left and right. So yeah, I appreciate himself. that. <laughs> but no, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day and and talking with us. I mean, it's always good information. It's always good to hear your perspective as an attorney. Um, what experts can do better, certainly, and yeah. and how that that relationship needs to to take place but um certainly you and your family and everybody in the office there have a safe and happy and healthy holiday holiday Thank season you. you too you're welcome take care all you right too. Bye. Bye. see you buddy so all right so then the the one thing that now that we dropped our dead weight no i'm just i'm joking i'm, I'm totally joking so but so let's lay this out for the attorneys real quick because i i know that's the other thing i i see is once you start to become really comfortable with an attorney and, and prosecutors, I don't think are exempt from this. Once mm -hmm. we testify hundreds of times for a prosecutor or on the civil side, once we become really comfortable with an attorney, they, they want to just breeze over the qualification because they've heard it 10,000 right. times. Yes. So you're saying, well, but, the, but they have to remember too. your judges will too, especially yeah. if your judges are on a time constraint. We have had quite a few judges that they're like, well, can't we just stipulate to this? Um, and we'll definitely want to encourage attorneys to stipulate to the qualifications. And again, you've got to, you know, some cases, you know, for example, in our cases, if it's a drug case and we have someone from our crime lab and it's an F5 possession do we need to go an hour into qualifications? No, they work at the crime lab. It's really not that big of a deal. We have no contrary expert. It's just them going, yes, it's drugs. This is how much it is. We can we can waive that. We don't have to go into that. But if you have another expert on the other side, you can't. You really yeah. can't. Because what I've also seen happen is you agree to waive your qualifications of your expert. And the, the defense will be, I'll just say defense because I'm on the state. They'll agree, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll waive that. They're qualified. And so we won't do ours. But then on the flip side, you say, oh, well, we'll waive and they'll insist. No, we're going into ours. And they will go, they will go into all of their experts' qualifications. And now you're hung high and dry because you let them stipulate to yours and your jury didn't hear it. And now they're not willing to let you stipulate to theirs. And now their jurors talk about how awesome they are for three hours. Yeah. Um, you don't want that to happen either. <laughs> I got you, happen. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I've seen that happen, um, you know, because now being around long enough and, and being all over the state and, and like working with the Academy, like I do and everything else. Now I've seen prosecutors from all over the state. And actually I, I even just saw one in another state that was a prosecutor on a case that I, I help law enforcement, then now the judge. Mm -hmm. So it's like now all my prosecutors are becoming judges. So they've heard my qualifications over, you know, 12, 13 years now. Right. And, uh, and so they do, they just want to skip them. Yep. And so, so the, the biggest piece then to, to the attorneys then, I mean, what's your biggest advice to them when the other side just wants to stipulate or the judge is trying to rush you? I mean, I, I get it. The judge has the ultimate control and you don't want to make right. them mad, mm -hmm. but 
do you at least want to get something and say, Hey, look, like I get it. We'll make it really quick. Let me hit the high level points. Yeah. And I think that's, that's just it. I think if you're really getting a lot of pressure to, to do it, you've got to know your case and you've got to at least have a prepared truncated version of, like I said, the highlights. And again, focusing on why your opinion is much more specific to the point than the other person. That's what you really want to highlight. It's like, fine, I'm not going to go into my education or all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to, I'm going to hit the highlights of this is how long I've been doing it. This is my specialty. These are the specifics as to doing X, Y, and Z. And, you know, so you should have two versions. You get your full, long, detailed version, and then you've got your, you know, important highlight distinction version. And if you feel that that will be sufficient for the case, you can do that. If not, sometimes you just got to stand your ground. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know the judge might want you to stipulate, but they can't force you to stipulate. Oh, you're going to get hate mail from the judges. I know they can't (laughs) force you. And I get it, but you got to know your cases and the last, you know, you've got to know what's important, but at the same time, again, you can't then be that person who then has a six hour qualification of useless information. If you're going to stand your ground, you better make sure it's all relevant. It's all important. And you're not talking about, you know, what they did 30 years ago for six months. Um, you've got to make sure you've got your stuff tight and on point and it's all relevant if if you're going to stand your ground and insist that it, it's important for this particular. Now, let me let me ask you this. I mean, on the flip side of that, because I've, I've only had one attorney do this and it was amazing. It was the best thing in the world to watch. And it was it was hilarious. But at the, feel, at the same time, I felt bad for the other expert is if the other expert starts coming off of a lot of stuff that doesn't apply at all to this mm-hmm. case that we're talking about. So like, let's just say, for instance, um, we're dealing with a motorcycle crash, mm-hmm. okay? And this expert is going on and on and on about commercial motor vehicle enforcement and commercial motor vehicle safety inspections and, and air brakes and the, stuff that doesn't even apply to a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. When you get your turn to get up and actually talk to their witness, is that something worth kind of just, not necessarily going back down that line because I know all sorts of objections would fly, but of at least just kind of maybe touching on at a high level of like, well, you know, we heard an impressive CV of all the stuff that you did in commercial motor vehicle. Does that apply at all in this case? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you have a juror that's like, wow, this person's done a lot, it really, because you really do, again, you need to take all that information and make it into something very tangible for that jury to have in in their brain because they get very overwhelmed very easily with all the information they get to keep track of it. So if you can take all of that information that they're like, wow, that's a lot. This person knows what they're talking about. And in one succinct question, get this expert to acknowledge that none of what they've talked about for the last three hours is relevant at all to their findings in this case of this investigation. Yes, because then in their brain, they've taken their little red pen and put a big X through everything they just heard. Because they don't remember all the details, but if you get them to acknowledge that almost everything they've talked about isn't relevant, they may now disregard all of their qualifications because A, you've just told them it's not relevant and B, you've just wasted three hours of my time. 
you know, I want to take a break. I'm hungry. This is long and boring. Can I please go? You got to remember, these are just people pulled off off the street that likely don't want to be there. Right. You wasted three hours of their time talking about stuff that is no importance to this case. They are not going to be fans. So please, if you can point it out, do it. Yep. And, you know, so two things. Uh, One, I, I so I keep. Uh, talking on our, our show of every time I get selected for jury duty uh, in Stark County, I always go. And then when you guys like always you ask, are. you know, well, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a business owner. And I just leave it at that hoping because I want to sit on a jury. I want oh, to I, sit on a jury so, so bad. I, and I, but <laughs> I know now everybody recognizes me though. And then typically like the judge knows me and they're like, dude, like, come on. <laughs> so. I'm still trying I'm with you. I would love, I want to be the fly in the wall on the jury room so bad. Right. Yeah. I'm like, and I want to sit specifically on a car crash case. I think that yeah. I think I would be a great juror because yeah. like at the end, when I can turn in questions, I'm going to ask all sorts of questions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think one, I think that would be a lot of fun, but secondly, and, and yeah, that was kind of the, what I was thinking of is don't be impressed and, and chime in and maybe if I'm wrong, but don't be impressed by the other side or, or not say impressed. Don't be intimidated by another expert that has a lot of qualifications. And in the case that I was specifically talking about, it was a pedestrian case. And the other side brought in an expert and he was like a a 30 year investigator for the NTSB investigating plane crashes. And so like, you know, he went into like his, he's got a doctorate and, you know, in, in all this engineering stuff and he's investigated plane crashes and this, you know, and everybody's like, Oh my God, this crazy. And the attorney stood up and they're like, did this crash involve a plane? Well, no. Okay. So does any of that training, that you learned in investigating plane crashes, does any of that apply whatsoever in this crash? And they're like, no. Well, no, right. And like the jury had audible gasps, like because they were pissed. Like they were so mad that they just (laughs) wasted so much time listening to all this and and it was all crap. (laughs) Yeah, again, if if there is anything, you know, I, I could tell attorneys is less is more. Less is absolutely more. You know, if every juror that I've ever talked to um, at Stark County, maybe we're the rarity, but we, we get to it. I mean, we do. I think we've done death penalty cases in two weeks. I mean, we're, we're in and out like we yeah. do not drag stuff out. And every single time that we've had a defense attorney who does drag stuff out or asks a million questions and the same questions over and over again, you see the eyes rolling. And believe me, you lose your jurors really quick. And so, you know, you've got to be prepared and especially with your experts, because no offense, a lot of some of the stuff that you guys can talk about will put me to sleep. I'm like mechanical <sighs> stuff. I'm like, what? Come on. Boring. <laughs> it's so boring. And no you offense. don't want to hear about drag factors and <laughs> fr- friction coefficients. No, Just, no, <laughs> that's not dinner conversation. You at don't home, want, no, you don't want the attorney <laughs> attorneys falling asleep on you. So, right. You know, yes, it may be important, but when we talk about, you know, qualifying your experts and again, you've got to find the people, you got to find your experts that not only know their stuff, but can be engaging. And if you are an expert and you haven't taken public speaking classes, if you haven't even taken acting classes, I highly advise it because presentation is everything. You can be the most brilliant, talented person out there and be top notch in your field. But if you come across like scraping on, you know, a chalkboard with your fingernails, you're done. Yeah. Because they've stopped listening. These are average 
everyday human beings that got drug out of their bed in homes to come sit here and listen. They well, are, we're paying, you, we're paying them twelve dollars a day. Yes, and they do, and they do not find it. <laughs> Like they don't find drag factor exciting like you do. And if, <laughs> if you find it exciting, you've got to make them excited about right. it. Yeah. And so if you're just like talking like uh, the teacher on Ferris Bueller with the dog. That's exactly who I, ben, ben Stein. Yeah. That's yes. who I was going to bring up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You, you will lose them in two seconds. And if they have their notebooks, they're, they're doodling already. I see their notebooks. They doodle a lot. Yeah. Um, and the more bored they are, the more they doodle. So all right. If so, you are an, yeah, if you are an expert, I mean, your personality needs to shine. And for attorneys, that's what your qualifications are for. You've got to get them engaged with your expert's personality during that period, because that's where you can kind of get the ebb and flow and get get everybody relaxed and engaging and laughing. And it's a lot more comfortable. They'll be much more willing to listen to your experts technical information once they've kind of loosened up and start like liking them and liking their personality. You know, and that's the one thing that I've always noticed when other experts come in, like, I I mean, we were just in, in grand jury, what, uh, seven days ago. Yeah. Not even something like that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh Within the last week, you know, and, and typically like when I come in, I like to say hi to everybody. I smile, you'd be personable. And I see other experts that come in and they don't say a word to the jury. They walk past them. They sit down in the jury box and they just stare. Yes. There is, there is a distinction between professional and formal and you can be professional and personable. Um, and I think there's this opinion that, well, you know, I'm, I'm being professional. And so I must be very straight, you know, uh, Sam the Eagle from the Muppets, you know, I must be, <laughs> must be serious. I must be on the point. No, no silliness, no laughing. No, I'm just all serious, but it just doesn't work for juries. Um, it, it really doesn't. They, they, they lose interest very quickly. Um, and they have to relate to you somewhat in order to continue listening and you also run the risk of coming across as arrogant um, yeah. and talking down to them. And if you talk down to them, don't get me wrong, they're nowhere near your qualification level. We all know that. But if they get the impression that you're talking to them like they're too stupid to understand what you're talking about, you're done. You're yeah. done. So you've got to come in with a, hey, we're on the same level. I just happen to do a different job than you. And I find this stuff fascinating. I'm sure you're bored with it, but this is my this is my thing. And get them engaged of, wow, this person really enjoys this. This is actually kind of neat. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, and that has to come with the personality aspect of it. It's not going to come with the technical information. You yep. know that. You know, you're an expert. You know that stuff. So if you're going to work on anything with regards to personal growth, it really has to be in the art of testifying and you know, like I said, take public speaking classes, take acting classes, improv, learn how to loosen up a little bit and just kind of go with the flow. And it makes a world of a difference. As so a you're witness. saying have a few shots before court. No, I'm just joking. I'm joking. No, don't do that. Really? No, I'm joking. No, do but so we and, had and that be- happen. it didn't work well for people. Right. Yeah. No, never. And just to clarify, it wasn't me. She's not no. talking about me. It was not. No, me. it was no. it was yeah. one of my victims. <laughs> Did not go over well. So, but back me up on this because I think a lot of guys are listening to this, and and me and Phil have talked about previously, of you know police officers. I, I typically and maybe I'm biased. Obviously, I am. You know, but I, I think police officers do a really good job of because we're like we're kind of of the people. 
Mm-hmm. Like typically we're part of the communities where we testify and things like that. So right. we know, we know how to speak the language. Like I speak Cantonese, right? right. And like Phil speaks Pickaway County ease and you know, right. stuff like right. that. Like, right. I mean, it just, we know the dialect. I know how to communicate with those people, but mm-hmm. on that same token, if you are in law enforcement, stop coming off like a cop. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. Because police have a way of talking to people and I think you just hit on it of like almost borderline pushing that envelope of being condescending. Right. And, and I get, you've got to recognize your role in the moment and the most effective police officers are the ones who can do that because yes, sometimes you need to be authoritative and take control and take charge and be the guy because everybody needs to stop and listen to you right now. And this is the way it's going to be. You have, yes, you have to be that person in that job. But you also need to know when that is not what's going to work with these people. You need to know when maybe the softer approach, the quieter approach, the more friendly approach. Hey, come on, but we're just here hanging. I just need need to talk to you for a second. Come on, you know, give me a break. You got to know you got to have multiple personalities as a police officer and you got to recognize, you got to read the moment, like read the scene and know what you need to use. And in a jury, they can't come, they can't converse back to you. You're just talking at them and nobody likes to be talked at to begin with. And then if they're being talked at like their teacher or their principal, who's just, you know, right. throwing stuff wah, at them. Wah, 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 wah. Like old peanuts cartoons. Yeah, they, they're yeah. gone. Right. <laughs> they're gone. You need to, they need to feel like they're engaging in a conversation with you, even if they're not talking back. Yeah. Uh, right. And yeah, that's when you got to you got to pull it back and not be that authoritative role. You can still come across as being an expert without being that person. Right. Yeah. And that's I think I think a lot of cops and I didn't even realize I did it until a civil attorney pointed it out to me. And, and she uh, she pulled me aside afterwards. And she's like, would you stop sounding like a cop? Like, <laughs> you know, and she's like, because you do. She's like, you you make these like kind of for a, like there's no other way to describe. She's like, you just make these shitty little remarks. <laughs> you know, what I mean? and this was and like so I did. I consciously like worked on it right. over years, and and I think I do pretty good at it now. And yeah, uh, but, it, it takes time. I mean, and that's I I say this to everybody who's working on testifying, just in general. And again, it's a theater thing. For those of you who don't know, I've done theater my entire life, and it's you don't know what you do until you watch yourself or hear yourself do it. Yeah. So yeah. if you have the opportunity to have somebody video you or turn on your camera while you're practicing, testifying, or, you know, rehearsing with your attorney or going through prep, actually record yourself, video yourself, record yourself, watch your movements, watch your mannerisms, listen to how you talk. Um, When I first started doing that, I realized I say, um, and like all the time. And I was shocked because you look, you don't hear it yourself. I, yep. I was amazed. And then you become aware of it and conscious of it. And then you can start being aware and fixing it and changing it. I realized I played with my hair a lot. Um, I'm like, what am I doing? And so yeah. like, you, you got to really take that step back. And, and that really is the next step for being a successful expert um, and getting good results with a jury is it's not just, it's not just the knowledge and information. It's the communication And sometimes that's the hardest part to learn. Um, And you're going to know exactly what I'm saying here, but this is because somebody that you and I have in common um, 
from not only working with him for for more than a decade, um, mm -hmm. but uh, but I think it might be a Marine Corps thing. Is <laughs> I, I noticed that when when I started teaching and on the podcast, I would say right a lot because like otherwise people just they stare at you with that blank stare, especially when you're teaching yeah. them something not. So mm -hmm. you're like, so we do this, right? Right, right, you know? ending, right. Constantly ending sentences with, right, with the affirmation. Yeah. Um, also, the mannerism of the pointing. Uh-huh. <laughs> when, you're, when you're really emphasizing something, you uh -huh. point like that. Yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> no, I, no idea it's being done. No idea right. it's being done. It's just so ingrained in who they are. Just make sure he doesn't see this episode because now he's going to know we're talking about him. So. I will not. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's a total, total mystery. <laughs> it's a total mystery. Um, but yeah, it's not even being aware it's being done. And unless pointed out and videoed and recorded, would it be, oh, I did do that. Um, yep. And it's the same thing with, with you. I mean, you really got to take the time to do it yourself um, and become aware of your own mannerisms, your own speech mechanics, um, and really work on that. Yeah, there you go. I think we covered a ton today. So we here we go. So I'm going to give, because Phil's not here to give final thoughts. So I'm going to give my final thoughts and then uh, I'll turn it over to you because you're my guest. So you get the final, okay. final okay. thoughts. The final so final. that would be my big thing is I would say going into a courtroom, you know, and this is something I harp on a lot to attorneys is know your experts, get to know them. You need to go, if nothing else, go to lunch with your expert before you have them work on a case because an expert can do the greatest work in the world. But if he, if you couldn't sit through lunch for 30 minutes with him, there's no way a jury can sit through hours with him on the stand or her, him or her. So go to lunch. And if, if you can't make it 30 minutes, use somebody else. So anyway, what's your final thought? So if you had one nugget of advice for all the attorneys listening, what would that nugget of advice be to make them a little bit better tomorrow than they are today? Uh, short, simple to the point. Um, you, you know your case better than everybody. And, you know, you've got to make sure that it gets to your jurors in as concise of a fashion as possible. You've got to prep your experts to do the very same thing. You know, don't, like we talked about the extraneous, skip the extraneous, get down to it. Not only will your judges appreciate it, your jurors will appreciate it. You'll make it much more manageable. And if you do have those issues with maybe some personalities and it's a little difficult to get through, making it a lot simpler to process and shorter will be great because the other attorney probably won't and will drone on and on and on for hours. And you could be this person that sits back and watch the jurors get all upset at that person for taking their time and you get the advantage. There you go. Perfect. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the Expert Angle Group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to crashtechexpertangle.podbean.com and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense 
Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them. 